You're very welcome to yet another episode of An Irishman Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan. I hope you enjoy this extract from one of our classic episodes with Barry Keoghan. To hear the full hour-long interview and his other interview that he did with us, and for more deep-dive chats with hundreds of the greatest Irish people ever to have left our shores, along with our other series, Irishman in America and Irishman Behind Bars, and lots, lots more, sign up for premium Irishman Abroad over at patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. It'll only take you a minute, and for less than a fiver a month, you'll gain access to everything, and you can walk around with a spring in your step, knowing that you helped this series survive and grow through these difficult times. Our chosen charity partner, as always, is Jigsaw.ie. Jigsaw are a youth mental health charity that works to provide young people back in Ireland with the mental health skills they will need to survive in life. Since the pandemic, they've seen a 400% jump in demand for their one-to-one and group services. With their phone line and their webinars and their new website, Jigsaw.ie, are making a massive difference back home across all communities. Why not take a couple of minutes to visit them and see if maybe they can help you or someone in your life, or maybe through a donation, you can help them. That's Jigsaw.ie, the chosen charity partner of An Irishman Abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme, what's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Barry Keoghan, it's brilliant to have you back on the Irishman Abroad. I mean, it's a really weird time and I guess it's really weird circumstances to be promoting Cam with Horses because the plan was, of course, for it to be in cinemas and all the rest. Yeah. Well, what what does it feel like in the film business to be shut down in this way? And how sad is it when... You know, it's a movie like this where, you know, you really made it as a team. You in the same hotel with the crew and there's a real much, yeah. much more of a kind of team feel to this. Yeah. You know what? For thought, thanks for having me back. I love your show. I love being on it last time as well. <laughs> so, um, you're a legend. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean, you know, look, you can look at the advantage side to this and it being that, you know, a lot more people now at home, they've kind of watched everything on the stream services and you know it is a chance for them to give give something new you know give something new a go and broaden the taste and, and by that I mean like you know if you had two days off let's say beforehand um, you wouldn't necessarily jump into something that you're not familiar with yeah I think that's a really fair point that uh, people might not have gone to see this, even though, yeah. because you know better than anybody, these films are competing with 
these massive budget movies, these movies that yeah. have uh, a huge marketing budget behind them. Mm-hmm. But Cam with Horses is up there with any of these in terms of being kind of a white knuckle, edge of your seat experience. Oh, thanks, it really, it really, really is. Right. And your role in it is this Dimpna Divers character. Maybe explain to the listeners who this lad is and how he fits into the, the Cam with Horses story. So he's basically a lad that uh, you know has a family. His family reputation is is they're pretty big in the town, and everyone fears them. And you know, and they have for years. So he's kind of got on off the back of this, and kind of trying to live up to that name, the expectations as well that that comes with that. So he has that attached to him, and no one will step out of line. And and and, and the relationship there with Arm is. Is basically he just uses arm because he's the he's the you know he's the, the big lad and yeah he's the muscle of the, the the two and you know and he can beat the shit out of people and and that you know they can intimidate or whatever but he can just use it he's like a dog almost you know mm. a dog on a leash but uh, that is tested with Neve's character that comes into play a lot and, and I don't think Dimpton likes that at all. Tell me this, right? Because you know we obviously had Neve Algar on. People loved that episode, and really, it was like it was a, such an insight into how she approached it. And I put it to her that you know I knew that you were getting more and more into the method and the idea that you'd kind of retain the allegiances that your character has uh, mm-hmm. off camera. Uh, mm-hmm. is, am I right on that? And how how does that look day to day when you're in the same hotel as people and you're kind of, I don't really like her character, so I'm not going to be mm-hmm. palsy-walsy off set. Off set. <laughs> yeah, and me and Eve, hey, we didn't even talk, you know. Um, really? No, money mess. No, no. <laughs> you got me. No, um, I mean, yeah, pretty small hotel and a great hotel. The Otherwise, were great down there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I do have that approach, you know, for American Animals, I stayed in, in accident for the eight weeks and, you know, um, in, in the mind frame of, of Spencer as well, who I played. And I do, you know, with with every with every role, the approach is kind of similar. You know, it's figure this person out, you know, do activities this character would do, try hang around places this character would do and, and just fully immerse yourself. And I did with that. You know, I really, I really went down there and, and, and joined the boxing club and, and got to know all all the lads down there and mm. and and, stay, and stayed in accent as well because I, I obviously don't have my own accent in it and it was a tricky one to do but I do approach with, with the method in mind. Um, Your tricky one to do is right, and you mentioned that in a couple of interviews that like you don't want to screw this up because no. Irish people are very very harsh. As, mm-hmm. as Tom Cruise will tell you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if you screw it up, you're going to hear about it. But Cosmo's yeah. accent, like, really blows people away. Everyone I know that's seen it is like Cosmo Jarvis. They were like, who's, who's, that Irish who's this new Irish actor? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, he he's down the box. Is he down the boxing club with you? Like, did you guys hang out together? Because I heard he he threw himself in pretty deep as well. Yeah, no, he stayed in accent Cosmo knew, you know, I, I didn't hear him break once at all, literally until rap. And, you know, and that's, that takes a, a ton of commitment. And he is, he's a very committed actor. His approach is, is insane as well. He did put on a bit of weight for this as well, which is really, because you, you see him now and he's, he's not that heavy at all, but I really have a, a lot of respect for him. Yeah, and that is, as well. that is saying something. 
the he looks like a brick shit house in this film. He and was, you, man. I, I was like blown away when I saw the premiere photos and I was like, he is a slip of a thing mm. on the day to day. Now, you yeah. you're obviously will get to Marvel at some point in the chat. Yeah. But, but like you, you, Barry, have to retain a certain look for this as well. You, yeah. you know, you did the hair thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying staying in shape is a really big part of mm-hmm. what you are doing to make yourself available for other things, I guess, as well. To Exactly. T- to be malleable. Tell me this, the boxing we went through before, the boxing is obviously a release and everyone who yeah. does it knows the headspace that it gives you and the presence of that it gives you and that you've got to be absolutely mm-hmm. present in order to take part. What is it, though, in terms of your diet that uh, that Do you know, me I, a little I, bit that way? Mm-hmm. For, well, for the for the Marvel movie, I'd, I'd done a lot of fasting. Right. I came into that film pretty late. I was the last one cast, basically. Right. Do you know, it was three weeks out. I got told and I was in L.A. and, and I came from L.A. to London. And not that I had to get into shape and, and had to look a certain way. Well, if you're playing if you're playing a superhero, you want to look a certain way. And you, and you want to look healthy on screen. The main thing is looking healthy. And unless, the, unless the role requires you not to look healthy, the main thing is to look healthy. And I wanted to have a complexion and look healthy. And so I did focus on my diet a lot for that. And my, my thing there was fast and it was uh, stop eating at like seven at night and, you know, and, and then start eating at three or two next day. Not, not exactly found, what any doctor would recommend, right? No, but, you know, it, it's it's very good for your metabolism and very good for, for sleep. And, and just, you know, I, I found I functioned a lot more doing that. And I've kind of went back to doing that now because we've got a bit of time on our hands and I want to, you know, get back into into shape again. But I, I find the fasting really, really good. You run on energy that, you know, that obviously that's stored there and, and stuff like that. And I, I just think it's a it's it's a healthy approach as well. Um, Once you I'll, get past the grouchiness, it's great. I, like it gives you a really clear it. head. But the grouchiness is hard to get by, especially when you're uh, in a relationship, lack of sugar right? And, yeah, I mean, oh Jesus, yeah. Especially <laughs> when you're in quarantine. You know, yeah. Like but no, it's uh, you know a lot of that over the first week is lack of sugar and, and, and stuff like that, and, and just you know your body's taking a complete turn. So mm, breaking um, the habits. But for diet, yeah, I'm I'm very focused on on diet and. Okay, when it comes to when it comes to uh, I, I did put on a couple of you know I tried to bulk up a little for camel horses and look some way sort of bigger and a bit more meatier but uh, but yeah man um, well, I always take that approach to let me ask you this then because the last time we spoke we got into how you were reluctant to get typecast and there was an awful lot of things coming across your table that were similar and then I see this and I'm like, I bet that your decision to do this, even though we know that Nick Rowland came to you with this and said, look, this is for you. And as much as you want to be arm and you see yourself as a boxer, this guy has been written with you in mind. Are you way more likely to take the kind of gangster underworld role now that you've had other roles that go, well, that's not all he can do? Do you know what? I'm always up for switching it up, and and as we discussed last time, definitely always up for going against what what people think I can only play, and and it's an actor's dream to kind of, you know, flash about. But uh, I did, yeah. I wanted to play this role when when Nick did present it to me in that way. I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna nail this. I think I'm gonna 
really go for this and, and you know have a bit of fun with it because there's a lot more fun there mm. on the page than there, there was with Arm. And the fact that a director is writing the part, I mean, it's I'm very grateful to him for that. So Nick is, is a first time director and that's that's absolutely unbelievable to think about when you watch this. And I'm telling the listeners right now, <laughs> go and pre-order or download this when it comes out. And there is no way you will say this is this guy's first time doing this. I know. Now, you've expressed an interest of directing at some point in the future. I have. You've got projects that are uh, on the boiler, on the way, this Billy the Kid idea that's that's yeah. been three years in the making. What makes a good one? Like, what is it that you're seeing time and time again that is the key component in being really flipping good at this very difficult job? Um, I just think it's range, Gerald. I think it's range. I don't want to ever work. as I know this is going to sound ridiculous to the <laughs> listeners, but I don't ever want to work as an actor. You know, actors that work. You know, every every role I do should be, there's a reason why I'm doing it. And, you know, if it speaks to me or or whatever. But I do, I just want to be respected um, in years to come. Like, like the way Daniel Day-Lewis or, you know, or, or, or these these great lads are. In the sense that he just picked great roles with great filmmakers, and you know your body, your body of work just just shows just shows that in, in years to come, and it's not like oh he done that film I don't remember that I just want every film that I do to be you know so far from each other as well. And and the idea with the Billy the Kid movie is I did bring this to Ed Guiney three about two three years ago, and, and Bart Layton who done American Animals because I'm obsessed with Billy the Kid. And I just wanted to tell this story because you see these westerns and, you know, they, they all follow the cliche and, and, mm. and they're all fantastic movies now. But I just wanted to, I want to humanize Billy because he did have a lot, you know, while he was alive and while he was still a kid, he was, he was stepping into the shoes of a, this legend, you know, and had to act like this legend. And, you know, I, I want to kind of get inside that and, and get inside his head and kind of humanize him and see what that was and, you know, what, what was he like behind closed doors. And, you know, it was just a different time back then. And I just want, want to really, um, really push that. So, yeah, I think Bart Layton is he's going to direct and, and Ed is going to produce. So, so it is in motion. It is happening, right? Yeah, it's happening. So the, yeah. the Billy the Kid thing absolutely fascinates me as well. And people, maybe listeners aren't aware that, you know, Henry McCarty, which was his name, uh, mm-hmm. was a real person who who lived and not just someone that is just a recurring character in movies. He uh, was killed at the age of 21, which is absolutely bananas yeah, when you consider that like his legend lives on. But he did it all pre-21. Yeah, man. And you know, he was, his mother was, his mother was Irish as well. I mean, a lot of them came from Ireland that went to, went out to the States and to New York and, and travelled down and that. But I, I just, I just find them fascinating, man. And I'm, I'm really digging, digging in deep on now, trying to, you know, discover more on them and, 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 and just, yeah, play with that whole, it's, it's exciting, man. It really is exciting. Yeah. And also there is something there, right? That the, these movies that we understand as being a certain way when people say Western all all the images get conjured but Mm -hmm. I guess we're kind of going through a phase in cinema certainly the last 20 years 
when even the idea of comic book superhero movie got flipped on yeah. its head. And now it's more like, particularly with Joker, that it was actually a character piece. That was it's a character piece. Yeah, yeah. it was snuck. Character driven one. Yeah, and snuck under the banner of comic book. Is like that, that what you, you're trying like, to do here? Yeah, like Joker, for instance, you know, humanized that character and it's, it's you know, it becomes like just a story about, a, a, you know, a person who's suffering with, with mental health mm. and it's, you know, you can relate more to that then and it's just, you know, again, as you said, these stories are character driven and, and with the Billy the Kid, I really want it, it's set in the Western world and, it's, you know, that's the backdrop and whatever, but I really want people to relate with this kid and, and you know, see his struggles and, and just just totally center it and bring it down to, to earth. Yeah. That is three. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And I think that, uh, you know, there's it was all the aspects of any of these. Like, well, t- so Todd Phillips said he couldn't get a character film made. He couldn't get a kind of taxi driver made. That just yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't happen nowadays. So he had to kind of think of a way of making the movie he wanted to make through the funnel of how people go to the cinema. Now, lockdown and the pandemic has kind of, I think, accelerated. It's broadening. Yeah, I mean, people are getting more educated at home. And, you know, I'm I'm definitely watching stuff that I wouldn't be watching. Me too. Um, And and I'm I'm totally up for that. And I'm always up for that. But, you know, when you're in your comfort zone, if you get, as I said, a day or two off, you're not going to flick onto something that you're not familiar with. You're going to put on something that you're, it's easy on the eye and whatever. This time, I mean, I've watched everything on, on Netflix. I've watched everything on, on, on the other streams, streaming services. And, you know, it's it's a chance now to, to broaden the mind and, and, you know, broaden my taste and, and just self-educate. And it's, uh, yeah, that's why I, I think Camel Horses could, uh, I, I think it could do really well. And that's why I want to see the positive side of it. Yeah, I think it will. I think it will because I, I find it myself, you know, I would have previously watched one movie late at night. And, yeah. and, you know, we wait for the room to get really dark and knock yeah. everything off, right? <laughs> and, but now yeah. I'm finding you're getting the early morning movie that you'll throw on. Yeah. You never would have had time to do that. I know, man. It's I'm, I'm going back and watching a, a ton of documentaries as well. Well, that know, is I what I wanted to talk to you about was Tiger King as somebody who oh. is absolutely, uh, we talked about the love of nature and wolves I the know, last time. Man. I mean, that is so upsetting that that fucking thing, you know, I, I, as funny as those characters are. And, you know, it's, you know, it, it's crazy. I just, I just find it disgusting. Yeah. You really look at the bleak. cages that, you know, these, these fucking massive animals are in and I just don't know how they get away with this. You know, I, I don't know what it is, you know, especially when there was a part in the documentary where, you know, some fella released his animals yeah. on purpose and they were all shot. Now, when when it goes back to that, it shows bears on the ground. It shows tigers. I mean, there was animals bigger than tigers in there in, in these four by four cages. Like, it's ridiculous, man. Absolutely Fucking crazy. Ridiculous. And and yet, like you've expressed like such a love of wolves and a kind of a connection with with wolves. Uh, and the wolf connection place that I went to is, uh, you know, just the love they have up there in in, in LA. You know, in, in in the wolf connection. 
you know, the space they have for their wolves, the way they talk about their wolves, wolves the way they feed them. You know, it's a whole program, a rehabilitation pro- program to uh, to get these wolves back to themselves. I mean, you know, some up there with, with no vocal cords because, you know, they were damaged or, or taken out of them so they couldn't help. You know, really abused animals. Um, so this, this is this, this is a sanctuary. Really... Yeah, this is a sanctuary you visited, like just so that for the listeners that don't know, tell them a little bit about this place yeah. because you went up and kind of made contact off the, your own bat uh, to see if you could go up and visit. Yeah. You know, and it, it does, funny enough, come down to my second name mean a wolf and my love that I have for these animals and I was just fascinated with them as a kid. But I, I reached out because what caught my eye was that they work with these kids that come from homes or, you know, or projects or, you know, just really, really bad backgrounds and not the best upbringings and, and they get the, what they do is they have this eight week program where, you know, the the wolves that they're working on and, and they're trying to get back to you know, to themselves and trying to gain gain confidence again. They they have these wolves, you know, interact with these kids who are also trying to find confidence in themselves, wow. who are also, you know, and it's just, it's just, I've seen it, I've seen it in play, you know, just the kids with the wolves and, you know, the wolves are very shy and the kids are, you know, putting up a front and it's just... It, what they do up there is just—I can't even describe it. Yeah, it's well, like it's—it's uh, it's fascinating. I hear you, and it's actually a theme that's been coming up again and again on the show since lockdown came in. That you know, there's something about. Well, I'm at the moment like really missing just nature and just kind of being. Yeah. Even in in the sea, we had Eastky Britain on talking about how when you go to the sea, you kind of surrender some control. You basically walk yeah. into this substance and you accept. I'm not in that's charge. That's a great way. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, it's the same with the wolf, right? You can't be mad at the wolf because the wolf's just being the wolf. He has nothing against anyone. There's an honesty and some kind of presence there that is beyond. They see right through you, man. It's just you know they're very shy animals, and you know they. They'll get a step closer to you each time you keep coming back and whatever. And, you know, when a, when a wolf is in your face, you can have the biggest, you know, brave react on you can you could put on. But that means nothing, man, because they, they, it's they just smell this, it. Yeah, they smell yeah, the truth. Yeah, man. And it's yeah. And it's great. It breaks you down. It breaks you down. And it's just it's it's, it's gorgeous. It's terrifying, but it's gorgeous. So right now you're living in London, but uh, I think mm-hmm. the last time we spoke, you were basically moved to Kerry and had kind of foregone the kind of city life yeah. in favour of once you came off the set of these movies that you really needed to dial it down to zero and have space and quiet yeah. and no beeps. <laughs> I know. What's it, what's it like to now find yourself in London and essentially have that quietness again return here. I know, man. It's 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 eerie, isn't it? But uh, you know, I I just you know London, New York, LA. I, I think of I, I want to be I want to be in either of those for the the time being. When when all of this um, calms down, I want to remain in London here, and I just it, it's easier for work, man, and and friends and mm. and stuff like that. And it's just nice. You know, as, as much as I love Ireland and, and whatever, it's 
I will go back and settle there. I do want to settle in Ireland. I want to ha- get a house and settle in Ireland. But yeah, it is it is early. It is early here in London. So you found yourself back there basically because of this Marvel movie. But, it- yeah, we were filming at Pinewood and we, we stopped filming in, I think it was the end of January. So kind of just right beforehand. So tell me about how little you can talk about this. oh god look i'm over the moon i'm as surprised and and i'm a big fanboy as you know and still pinch myself and i really mean that when i say that it was such a joy to work on just seeing the sets and and costumes and it's just all your dreams come true like you know i am a big comic book fan and you know it's just to step onto these sets and you know to be a part of this universe is uh it's insane i i, I think i'll i think it won't properly hit me until i see myself on screen or or as uh, a as a figure as as a figure yeah i have <laughs> seen myself as a figure so it's it's going to be uh, yeah that's going to be madness but i mean that was just a joy to work on Charlotte. i mean uh, the cast the crew and I, I know I say that with every movie, but this movie was just such a, you know, it was a big step. And mm. you're going on to a big, big production. It can be usually intimidating or, you know, but just the cast and crew made it really, really easy. And as I said, I was the last one cast, so I came in late. I didn't go to Comic-Con with the rest and get get to get on the private jet with the rest of them. <laughs> and, and, you know, and all of them being there. So I didn't get to do that. So I came in late and it was quite weird coming in late, but... I mean, they were all great to me. Angelina and Samuel Hayek and all of them. I mean, Kamel is someone I've worked with just in terms of uh, comedy. And uh, yeah, uh, we were in. He's the, a legend, isn't absolutely he? Absolutely <laughs> amazingly funny man and completely transformed his body for this. But everything I, I, I could look up on all of the cast was that. You know, you've obviously signed non-disclosure stuff. Yeah. And I remember hearing Star Wars people saying that they were brought to a room and uh, take their phones were taken off them so that they could read the script. Is that exactly what happened to you? Yeah, it is as it sounds. You know, it's very... The privacy and security is huge on these productions. You know, you wouldn't take out your phone on set now. You wouldn't be doing any of that. There'll be none of that business, um, which is great. You know, you shouldn't be on your phone if you're on set anyways. But, I mean, just, yeah, the the, the security are very, very good. Um, Dave and his wife, Linda, they were amazing to us. They really, they you know, because there's a lot of fans and a lot of people that do try you know, get pictures and behind the scene pictures from a fire. So, I mean, they had security guards. We were filming abroad and they had security guards on the mountains, you know, in case photographers were going up and, and snapping away. And it was just, it was usually, usually, you know, secured in that. And, and no one got in and no one got a look. There was, there was a few, but I mean, they done a great job. I think probably the most covered thing with you, Barry, is the list, right? And who you wanted to work with. And, you know, the, yeah. the you know, the, you know, I say to my son all the time, we're going to will this into being. This is going to happen. We just have to will it into being. Lovely. And uh, I love you know, it's, it, it, it has happened. Like, it is weird. Like, it is absolutely weird, the things that we've pulled off. 
using that method of just going. Do you mind telling me some of it? I'd, I'd love to hear it. Well, and, and you know, listeners, roll your eyes all you like. This happened, no, right? Like, this, is- this is what happened. So we go on our the first family holiday we've had, like maybe ever. Uh, just yeah. because of the nature of where I am, what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. There's no holidays, really. <laughs> you got to just, yeah. there'll be a holiday yeah. when you get where you need to get. That's so, it. So I took this four weeks and I said, look, we're going to go and we're going to drive around Ireland, the coast, literally oh, go around you know the what? edge. I've wanted to do that for ages. So do I'm it. I'm not even missing. Do it. To absolutely oh. do it, man. Because first of all, there's incredible hotels. There's amazing places to stop. The food's incredible. Right? And the roads are empty. Like, I couldn't <laughs> get over, like, probably because of the London traffic. You're so used to being bumper to bumper. We are cruising along these beautiful EU roads. And everyone's telling us, you're going to get awful rain. It'll be raining every step of the way. (laughs) And, you know, I said to Mikey, we are going to will this into being. We are not going to have bad weather. I swear, Barry, we didn't get anything but sunshine. You know what? And that's not, that's not, that's not heard of. I mean, you know, even in the There it is. That's just the beginning to hear almost 60 minutes more of this conversation and hundreds more full length Irish Man Abroad episodes and shows. Join us on patreon.com forward slash Irish Man Abroad. Help support the creation and continuation of this series for years to come. For less than a five or a month, you'll gain access to all our episodes, shows, live events and for a limited time only, everyone who signs up in the first two weeks of August will get my brand new stand-up comedy special, Notions 11, shot by my favourite director, Mike Donnelly, in Vicker Street in March 2020. That's hundreds of hours of entertainment, inspiration and laughter for less than the price of one of your fancy coffees. Over at patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. I want to say thanks to my ultrasound producer, as always, Brian Connolly, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible. And finally, to our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw. Jigsaw.ie are a youth mental health charity that is changing and saving lives across all communities back in Ireland. Now, more than ever, they could do with your support. Go to Jigsaw.ie to see their great work, get some help with the young people in your life, or maybe through a donation, you can help them.